Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about a God of relationships. We serve a God of relationships. It's difficult in the day that we live to connect. Sharon and I are guilty as many others in restaurants. We will sit and chat for a moment or two and then all of a sudden one of us will get a buzz or something or other and then we're into our phones and we're sitting there and going through and uh, one thing to another to another and if we do look up, we're seeing the top of one another's heads. Um, Relationships are always difficult, but they're getting more and more difficult as every passing day, with every passing day. We need to understand that God is a God of relationships. From the very beginning in Genesis, we see God walking in the cool of the day to have a time of friendship with Adam before the fall. He watched as Adam named all the animals and went through the whole process of identifying creation that God had made. And as God watched him, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he began to search over all of his creation and couldn't find one that was just right. So he puts Adam to sleep and took a rib. And from that rib then created woman. Gave her to Adam. God is a God of relationships. As you move on through the scripture... God is getting ready to completely destroy all of mankind because the love for wickedness had grown so intense that God had had it with man. He was getting ready to just completely annihilate mankind, but then there was a man named Noah whose heart was turned to God. And my Bible says, And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And for a hundred years, Adam and Noah had an intimacy. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I know that to stay true to building an ark in the middle of the desert, he had to be walking with God day by day. We don't have a whole lot of that spelled out in scripture, but common sense will tell you 
It wasn't a single encounter when God told him to build the ark, but it was a relationship that God entered into with Noah that enabled him, that forced him forward, that for a hundred years, compelling his sons and their family to enter into this endeavor, and they built a monstrous ark, and you know the story. Think about a man named Abram who had some kind of relationship with God in Ur the Chaldees and God trusted that relationship enough that he said to Abram go to a place where I'm going to send you just just leave your family leave your home leave everything you know I'm going to take you on a journey to a place that I've chosen and Adam in relationship with God got up and began to move my Bible says he was called a friend of God. He taught this so well. He lived it so well that his sons, Isaac, his sons, Jacob and Esau, they knew about God. Jacob followed, Esau didn't. But God continued in relationship man by man by man by man all the way up to a beautiful little baby boy that was put in a papyrus ark and set afloat on the Nile River, found by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in Pharaoh's household. But he loved more, the Bible says, more the things of God than the things of the world. And God put his hand upon him. I love the fact that he was just getting started at 80 years old. Come on. Yeah. At 80, he had an intimacy with God. Face to face. God speaking to him. The people... The people of Israel, the people, the, the children of Abraham were afraid. They were scared. They said, put some distance between us and God. He's too awesome. He's too great. He's too grand. Moses said, excuse me, I'm going up on the mountain and visit with him. Had a relationship with God. And because he was willing to have that relationship, God spoke to him and through him to not only the nation of Israel, but to all mankind. We're still reading of that intensity of relationship that Moses had with God. But then what God asked him to do was to teach the people of Israel, the children of Abraham, how to have a relationship with God. And so that's what the law was all about. That's, that's what the, the prophets were all about. Come on, come on, come on back to God. God wants to be your friend. He wants to care over you and love on you, minister to you. And as though that picture was not vivid enough, Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world. And he took out all the bright colors, the beautiful colors. I was just talking to somebody here before service who was talking about color blindness. And, you know, I have to be very careful because of not fully seeing color as it is. I love the bright colors. I believe when Jesus came, he painted with bright colors. 
of the fact that God wants to be in relationship with mankind. As a matter of fact, he, he makes the statement to his disciples and to all of us who will follow after him. He says, I no longer want to call you servants. I want to call you friend. I want to have a, an intimate relationship with you that will last your lifetime and into eternity. Anybody interested? Hmm. The Apostle Paul, oh my goodness, his letters over and over and over again, he reinforces this, this truth that God wants to have a relationship. As a matter of fact, he broke free from just that tiny nation of Israel and began to spread it out to all the Gentiles that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just salvation unto you know, freedom from death, eternal life. It is into relationship with Christ. Peter also, both of them, look at their letters, at the number of times that they say brother or sister. You know, we used to do that in the church. I'm sorry that we lost it. I think that speaks partly to the scatteredness that we have in, in our generation. Because it was wonderful. I, I remember names. These mean no, absolutely nothing to you. But I remember Brother Brown. I remember, you know, <clears throat> Brother Brown was about five foot two, maybe, huh? My sister sitting over here so she can confirm. A genuine man of God. Incredible relationship with the Lord. Calvin Hawes, 6'3". Six four, probably about 260, 270, something like that. Mammoth man. Loved God. He was Brother Hawes. I can remember standing at the altar with these men. With their hands raised and tears coming down their, their cheeks. As God... Is fellowshipping with them. Huh? How many know what I'm talking about? We serve a God of relationships. Now, this morning, even though I was teasing you and saying that we're going to look at the whole thing, uh, the, the reality is, I just want to give you four things out of the 14th and 15th chapter, and then I want to read you some of the 16th chapter to confirm what I'm saying to you this morning. The Apostle John, in his writings in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 7, says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. John picks up on an allusion that is... is really brought forward from Jesus' own words. And that is that the church, the redeemed of the Lord, Gentile, Jew alike, but those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God are called the bride of Christ. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says all the way back there in the book of Genesis, he says, then there is man and then there is woman, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. So that's God's idea of intimacy. He's, he moved from being friend 
to brother to wife. He wants a level of intimacy going into eternity with those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ that has only one one image that would put before our mind and that is the intimacy between a man and a woman who are married and in healthy relationship. The bride of Christ. In keeping with the heart of God, these four things that I want to pass to you this morning, I believe are absolute necessities within the church, knowing that our God is a God of relationships. In verse, chapter 14, verse 13, if you've got your Bible open there, look at it. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. <laughs> ah! Because, see, we, are, we who are redeemed are not only in relationship with God, but we are in relationship with one another. This may come as a surprise to some. You're going to live with some of these folks here for all of eternity. And it may be the one that you don't get along with. I hate to tell you this, but I know my God, he may put you next door to one another. But notice something in the previous verses, because that's what brings this passage alive. He says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. Therefore... Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. A day of reckoning is coming. Not only how we have acted out our lives in this world, but how we've conducted ourselves in the church. Hello? Because the church is the body of Christ. There is an expectation by our Lord who has redeemed us for a level of intimacy, a level of care that I believe that we often forget as we are pursuing our own design and our own desires. Therefore, stop passing judgment on one another. Don't do things that will get in the way of someone else's walk with the Lord. He says, instead, make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. That is, don't slow down someone else's progress in their faith by imposing upon them your own ideas of what is right. Subtle discouragements can affect what God is trying to do in moving a person forward. You see, the way that our Lord loves us, even in our mistakes, he can bring something good out of of them. Aren't you glad for that? Is there anybody in this room that ever makes a mistake? One or two. 
we look upon them only as failures. But I want you to realize this morning that God sees the possibility in those mistakes. The possibilities of moving you forward to new places in him that you could not go. Because of who you are and the way you are, you could not get there if he was unable to use your failure or your mistake. You say, well, you mean God's causing me to sin? No, he's, he's letting you be you. But he's willing to use that because he loves you. Let me give you an example of this. Just as a parent, you tell your child, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. It's hot, honey. It will burn you. Ooh, ow, ooh, ooh. No, don't, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. What do they want to touch? The stove. Hmm? So when they finally go over there and they touch the stove, the oven's on, they touch the stove. <laughs> and come crying to you. Of course, you kick them. Huh? You spank them. You tell them, I told you, and I told you, and I told you. So you spank them, right? You shake them. No, you don't. You take care of their wound. And when they have settled down and everything is okay, then you say to them, what did mommy, daddy tell you? That that stove is hot, that the stove hurts. Why do you do that? You do that because you love, because you're in relationship. And can I tell you, your heavenly father is doing that same thing with us. When you fail, he's not waiting to lower the boom on you. He's waiting to redeem you. He's waiting to bring you out. He's waiting to make that, if you'll allow him, an example in your life that will not only heal you, but can move you forward in your relationship with him. Go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve failed. They failed for all of mankind. They should have been spanked hard. They did get spanked. But they also got clothed. They were also given opportunity to continue forward in God. We need to understand relationship with God. And we need to stop being so hard on one another. Once again, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Um, I don't know. I, I would think that there should be an amen. If everyone, in verse 18, if everyone who serves Christ in this way, let me read that. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. You will please God by taking it easy on one another. Stop judging one another. They do not have to be approved by you. The second thing is found in verse number 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. <laughs> that is so huge. It's, it's just, it's a monster. Um, 
Too often, we're thinking about getting our own way. And can I tell you that too many times that divides us rather than bringing us together. Understanding what we're actually doing here. Now, I've been talking to you about this, and as I told you, these last four messages that I'm preaching on these Sunday mornings are not new things. I am reinforcing things that I've been preaching to you for 12 and a half years. Okay? We have an opportunity. Well, let, let, me, let me just bring out the scriptures. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. What is your reason for coming to church? You see, here's where you can check your heart on this. If your reason for coming to church is, number one, to fulfill an obligation that, you know, that you've established in your life, it's kind of like going and clocking in on the job, you know, it's Sunday, so we go to church. Okay, fine. Probably should be a habit. But there's more. If you come to church to just be blessed, you've missed it. You can tell, you can tell when this happens, when, when people are disappointed by the music, disappointed by the preacher, disappointed by the order of the service, disappointed by uh, the people that shook their hand when they came in, disappointed by the people at the information booth, disappointed by this or that or something else. I don't think the lights are as bright as what they used to be. I, you know, it, something always disappoints those who come for themselves. On the other hand, if you come here to edify, to uplift, to encourage, to strengthen the other parts of the body of Christ, then you're on track. There's so much scripture to back this up. I, I, I can't even go there. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the, the importance of each member of the body to be able to minister to one another. This morning, you know, I got up in my usual manner, had time with the Lord and everything like that, and then I went into the bathroom. You're glad to know that. I went into the bathroom, and I stood there, and there's a mirror there, you know, and here's my face. It needed work. I didn't just stand there and look in the mirror and say, oh, face, come out good. This is after a lot of work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Be careful now. <laughs> no, my hands had to get involved. Come on. My hands had to cooperate with my face's need. To brush my teeth, to shave my face. getting harder and harder to do anything with his hair so I just kind of let it do what it's going to do but the hands still get involved a little bit trying to make something happen you see it's important that every part of my body you know one of the gals over here made notice of the fact that I tripped a little bit this morning that I was walking a little bit funny yeah yeah you know this knee is not 
it's healing from the surgery, but it's still not quite up to 100%. And, and so there's weird things going on. And the rest of my body gets really upset. Come on. You're not moving fast enough. I used to do a 12-minute mile in my walk. I'm up to about 22 minutes now for a, a mile. And that's pushing. And I think, where did the other time come from? And so I blame my legs and it goes on and on. But I need every part of my body to be functioning completely in order to do what I'm going to do for that day. We need all the parts of this body, this church body, to be engaged and not just thinking about themselves. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Maybe that word's too long. To the good of the people that are around you. Come into this house. Come into this church. Come into this body with the intent of being a blessing to someone rather than getting a blessing yourself. You say, but oh, I need a blessing so bad. You will be blessed. When it's prayer time, I realize it takes a lot to get out of that pew and to go over to somebody else and lay your hand on their shoulder and to pray for someone else. But you never know what that person has been going through this week. They, they may be ready to collapse. We've had individuals come into this sanctuary on Sunday morning who walked out of here and contemplated suicide. That's the kind of hurt. That's the kind of depression. That's the kind of pain that was brought into this house. And what the body of Christ needs, what God is counting on, is that his people will be a people that will look up from their own situation and look over and say, what can I do to help that person? He said, well, I don't know anything that's going on with them. Yes, but a word of kindness, a word of, of welcome, a, a prayer over their shoulder can make all the difference in the world because they may feel like that they're all alone. Nobody in the church, nobody coming to worship should feel alone. We should feel the rest of the body around us. We should sense their giftings as they come out. I know individuals that are encouragers outside the church. But they come into the church and all they do is they, they come in just to be ministered to. Well, I come in to get filled up so that I can go out there. Well, you know, that sounds so grand. But you missed your purpose. Paul says if you're an encourager, then encourage. If you have a gift, use that gift within the body of Christ. Once again, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Oh, there's so much more to be said, but I won't say it. Go to the 15th chapter, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Verse 2. 
For even Christ did not please himself. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me, he says. Hmm. When I first started in ministry many, 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 many years ago, as people came forth to be helpers, to tell me the different things that I was doing wrong. And some with great fervor. It was very difficult to not be broken down by that. But the Lord spoke very clearly to my heart and I've lived this truth for the rest of my journey. He says, the insults against you as you're doing my work fall on me. On Jesus. You say, well, how is that? Because he called me to do this work. He has dispatched me to this particular location for this season of time. So the insults have fallen on him. Can I tell you this morning that's a dangerous thing? To put insults onto the Lord? And that's not just for this preacher. That's for every single one in the body of Christ. Because see, we are called to belong. We are called to be part of the body of Christ. So when we insult one another, whether it's behind their back or in front of their face... We need to realize that those insults are not just to them because they belong to the Lord. The insults fall on him. Let me give an example of this in real life. I can say whatever I want to about my kids. But you want to be very careful about saying something bad about them. Hmm? How many know what I'm talking about? See, I'm his. Are you his? How many belong to the Lord Jesus this morning? You're in relationship with him. Look up, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold that hand up there. Now look around. You want to be careful saying bad things about that person because the insults on them fall on him. If you haven't noticed this, every one of us have areas of lack and weakness. Have you come to that understanding? I figured out a long time ago, I, I, my personality is not like most preachers. Sharon, in her, in her work, does different assessments and things, and she has done assessments on me. <laughs> oh, has she assessed me? <laughs> yes. And come to the conclusion that only 2% of the population of the world have the, have the personality that I have. Amen, brother. <laughs> but God chose me. But you know what that leaves me with? It leaves me with a ton of weaknesses. 
that are the expectations and the needs of individuals. Now you see, there's one of two ways that you can approach the weaknesses that other people have, or their lack, or their inability. You can constantly be aware to the point that you are pointing out their weakness. Oh, there they go again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, my, oh. I can't believe him. Oh, my, oh, can you believe him? Oh, he can't do this. Oh, she's just, oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? She's not like me. Or you can make a choice to make up for their weaknesses. You will in time here, settle on a new, another pastor. He's going to come in, and generally speaking, he will be nothing at all like me. But he will have lack, and he will have weaknesses. You know what you can do? Instead of talking about his weakness, instead of pointing them out to one another, because many will be obvious, you can step up. If you see something that is lacking, you can step in. And you can make up for what is missing, for what is lacking. That's in your next pastor. But you can also do that in one another. You say, oh, oh my goodness, they, they didn't, look, they didn't do their job. Well, go do their job. You saw it. And if you're such an authority on the work, you should be doing it. Jump in. Instead of pointing out, see, I can do that. And get in and encourage. Get in and help. We who are strong, hey, I've got a fly. Do you have a fly? <laughs> He's probably looking for a place to hide because it's cold. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. How can I get behind you and make you stronger? Can't help but wonder, what, what would the body of Christ look like if we actually lived the word? If we were, instead of just pointing out the weaknesses in a church family, if we would say, okay, I recognize it, so I need to step in and help to fill that, that void. What, what, could, what could we accomplish? Okay, verse number five. We're just about done. Hold on. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. You're going to accomplish more by fighting together than you will trying to fight it alone. 
Our God of relationships gives us endurance to put up with each other's personalities and strangeness. And can I tell you, some of you are strange. Boy, you looked up on that one. That was cool. You all had, so many had their heads down like this, and I called you strange, and people looked up. We all are. We're all different. And many of us, if it were not for Jesus, we would not be in community together. So this has to be an act of our will. Unity does not just happen. It is an act of will on the part of those that see the benefit of that unity. You have to give up some things in order to be unified. It can't always be my way. But the power, the power that exists in the body of Christ, when we will unify and come together and encourage and endure. Come on. Sometimes it is endurance, putting up with the way some people are. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm leaving anyway, so what's the difference? I don't know, so, you know, I, I kind of have a spatial thing. I, when somebody moves in on me to talk to me, and like I can feel their breath and feel the spit coming out of their mouth, they're too close. Come on. And yet I have encountered that in the body of Christ. Now, I've got a choice. I can say, oh, oh, here they come. <laughs> or I can say, that's who they are. And realize there are things in their life that I need. So that endurance that, that can lead us to, to unity needs to be put in place right here. To that negative person that every time you, you, you get near them, they have something horribly negative to say. Hello. You want to avoid them. It takes endurance. That word endurance there is, and we've, we've talked about this before, that is that Greek word hupomone, and it means to come under, come under, come under. It's the same word as submit. It's the same word as submission. It is, it is the word that so many of us don't want to put into our, into our vocabulary. But it means coming in, coming in, under, accepting. That's who they are. I always wanted to be tall. It didn't work out. So there's a bit of intimidation when I'm, when I'm in a group of all tall men. Uh-huh. So uh, what am I going to do? Am I going to avoid all tall men? You follow what I'm saying this morning? I'm not, I'm not trying to put, put on a flower show here as far as preaching. I just want to get the truth across to you. We need one another. 
And unity is not going to happen without, without a lot of adjustment, without a lot of, of giving up on what you want and letting other people have their way, be their way. But all the things that can be accomplished. I wish I had time this morning to take you into the book of Acts and show you everything that happened. Let's just start with Pentecost. They were in one accord in one place. That means of one mind in one place. They were all there for one purpose, and that was to let God do what God wanted to do in them. They were being prepared to be sent out. And when they were released to be sent out, full of the Holy Spirit, they went out and changed the world. What does God want to do with us, church? Could we give him a chance? Can I tell you this and say it with all love? Some of you need to forget about yourself. And lift up your heads and look around you to other people's. Begin to assume other people's needs. Begin to weep over their need. Begin to cry out to God for their need. And before you know it, what's going on inside of you will, will, will grow strangely dim. So, you know, how's this connect to God? Because this is what our Lord is doing. He is ever making intercession for us before the throne of the Father. He has sent to us his Holy Spirit to be a comforter to us because he didn't want us to be alone. Why did he do that? It's because he loves us. He's in relationship with us. And so he doesn't want us to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. He did not save you to be by yourself. He saved you to put you into the body of Christ that your talents and your abilities could help others and their talents and abilities could help you. It's going to take a tremendous amount of endurance. It's going to take a tremendous amount of encouragement in order to bring you to that place of unity. But can I tell you, if this church family ever reaches that place of unity, of purpose and design that God has, look out. Because this place will not be big enough to hold all of the hurting people that will come in to be ministered to. You see, if a hurting person can walk into this sanctuary and sit down in that seat and last through the whole service and get up and leave this place and never be touched by a believer, we're not doing our job. You see, well, that's the reason why we have a pastor. We want the pastor to do it. Fooey on you. That's a technical term. Read your Bible as to what my responsibilities are. My responsibility in Ephesians chapter 4, to lead God's people, to teach God's people to what? Prepare them for works of service. To prepare you to minister to one another. I figured that I've preached over 1,200 sermons to you as a church family. I doubt seriously as we depart one another that I will leave you with 12 words. I say that because I want you to realize if you're waiting for all the effect to come from the pulpit, you're going to wait a long time. 
the greatest effect will come from those who are sitting around you. And the greatest effect that you can have will be on the people around you. I've rehearsed this with you before. What about coming in on a Sunday morning? Strategically take a place in the sanctuary and own the people that are on that pew or in that aisle. Begin to pray and intercede for them. Begin to expect God to do something in their life. Hmm? At prayer time, let the Holy Spirit direct you and slip over to the one that the Spirit lays upon your heart. You know, <clears throat> you may not realize this, but, but Gene has had to come off the road. He's an over-the-road truck driver for Walmart. He's had to come off of the road because he has severe headaches. Severe headaches that affect his whole body. That's not just his problem. That's our problem. We have widows and widowers sitting here that have lost their mate just in the last few years. That's not just their problem. That's our problem. To be encouraging. To be loving. To be helping. You, you, you feel what I'm saying this morning? <laughs> Do you feel me? <laughs> See, that's what this is about. We are in relationship. And I think we kind of understand the relationship that we have with God because we want it so dearly because we want heaven. But we're not really owning the relationship that we have with one another. And it's hurting the body of Christ. Put down your phones and look up. There are people hurting. I close with this. You remember Jesus stopped by a well, sent his disciples on into town to get some food. It was very obvious that he was just trying to get a little bit of rest, a little away time from all the people. But at the wrong time of day, here comes a woman. Because she was a woman of ill repute. She couldn't come to the well and draw water at the other times because they would have cast her away. But she comes there and Jesus looks over and says to her, give me some water. And then he says to her, do you realize that I have water that if you drink it, you'll never thirst again? He had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with her. He wanted, he wanted to be in relationship with her. He wanted to minister to her but that story doesn't end there because his disciples come back with the food and they're all ready to sit down and eat and they're hungry and they're ready to dig in like many of you are we've got food back there in the back and you're ready to dig in and everything probably hard to think about what I'm saying <laughs> that's the place where Jesus said hey guys lift up your eyes Look on the fields, for they're ripe unto harvest. What was he pointing to? He was pointing to all the people that were coming out of that town because of that woman's testimony. He said, don't worry about this food. There'll be time to eat. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they're ripe unto harvest. 
You see, folk, if we could get it right going in here to where our hearts were right, then we could lift up our eyes and see the ungodliness and the horror that is taking place in the world around us, and we could go as an army to do something about it. They had, a re they had revival at the, at the well that day because of all the people that that lady brought back a town came out. I could tell you about the Gadarean, the man, the man who was filled with all the demons. Huh? Those people in the town said, leave. The man said, well, I want to go with you, Jesus. Jesus said, no, go back to your town. But keep reading in your Bible because you'll see the number of times that Jesus went back across the shore, onto their shore, and was received openly. Why? <laughs> Because that man got out of himself and began to minister. Brought a whole town out to see Jesus. You want to know how, how to change Bedford and Lawrence County? And, huh? It starts with unity here in the body of Christ. And then a willingness to be used of the Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you this morning. That your word is truth. You place before us an open door, an opportunity for us to truly affect others' lives, beginning right here in the household of faith. I pray, Master, that some way, somehow, that this truth would get dug down into the soil of our hearts, that we would forget about ourselves and our own way, and that we would release your spirit within us to minister to one another in the way that you have ordained Help us, O oh Lord, to get off of one another's backs and begin to pick up one another's needs and carry the load. As you have ordained, may we be in relationship with you and with one another to your glory and praise. Hallelujah. Now, I said I was going to close this out in the 16th chapter. Hey, you're here. Boy, you're good looking. That's great. Let me find my glasses. I can't read you the whole thing. But somewhere along the line, you sit down and read it. And don't get bored. I mean that. Don't get bored with the 16th chapter. You know, <clears throat> greet Priscilla and Aquila. Well, let me begin verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe and deacon of the church in Caesarea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but also the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend Eponitas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus, and on and on and on. You see, the Apostle Paul was in community with the people, even though he had never actually physically been to the church in Rome.
one of these days, we're going to gather at the table. As we finish this service this morning, this will be our last time of communion together here. Many of us will not take of the bread and the cup until we take it with the Lord Jesus. That has an impact on me. You see? He's already set the appointment for his church, his bride, to come to the table. He made the promise as he sat with his disciples. He said, I will not drink a henceforth of the fruit of the vine, King James, until I drink it anew with you in my father's house. So he's looking forward to the day because he is in relationship with us. As you take communion this morning, realize you're not just in relationship with Jesus, but you are in relationship with this body. Huh? How many believe that? That's the word of God. Live it. Stand with me, please. Our worship team today is going to, they're going to sing as we distribute the communion. I know that this will take just a little bit longer to do this, but if you will give me an, this indulgence, I would like to serve you this last time. Come. Hold the elements till everyone's been served and we'll take the communion together. Bless you.
mercies that are new, oh, all my fears and doubts, they can all come true, because they can't stay long, when I'm here with you, oh, it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today, with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come true Because they can't stay long When I believe you are the way, the truth, the life I believe you are the way Bless you, buddy. so thankful this morning that our Lord gave us this. I think 
we would have come up short if we didn't have something that we did continually to remind ourselves of his broken body and his shed blood, but also of our relationship. Amen? As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show my death until I come. I'm waiting on Jesus. I hope that you are. The night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Greater love has no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said. If you do what's whatsoever, I command you. He wants to be in relationship with us. Father in heaven, we ask your blessings upon this bread. For we recognize it represents your broken body, Lord Jesus. That body that promises healing to us. That body of deliverance. <clears throat> As we take this bread together, may we be so aware that we are in relationship with the healer whose body was broken for us. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread together. Mm -hmm. At the end of the meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup, as a New Testament in my blood, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show my death until I come. Do this in remembrance of me. Master, help us this morning. We who are so incredibly dependent upon your blood for our salvation, for our protection, we depend upon you. Help us, O oh Lord, to learn the lessons. When you were sitting at the table, before you had the meal, you took off your outer garment and you wrapped a towel about your waist and you took a tub of water and you washed the feet of those that you were in company with. In a magnificent way, you're still washing your disciples' feet. You wait upon us. When we're wandering, when we're messing around, you wait upon us to come back. And when we come, you open your arms and you call us in and you hold us. When we're hurting and we turn to you, we find exactly what we need. I can't speak for everyone here, Lord, but I have found no greater love. And the love that is represented by this cup. 
even as you said to your disciples, and as much as you've done, I've done it unto you, you do it unto the least of these. God, help us. As your people, those in relationship with you, may we learn from you and find the rest for our souls that you promised. Help us, O oh Lord, as we lift this cup to our lips in thanks, in praise, but also in remembrance. You are a God of relationships. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All can see how great, how great is our God. One more time. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God that all can see how great how great is our God amen amen praise the Lord father in heaven as we leave this room today may your presence go with us we're your people use us according to your desire this week May this be an incredible week in you as we walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.